Welcome back to Where Is My Mom Manual. My toxic trait is dot dot dot. My toxic trait memes have been going viral lately and you may have seen them. One said my toxic trait is that I swear I'm talking in a normal pitch but I'm actually screaming and I can relate to this. My poor husband can relate to this. My family can relate to this because when I'm heated, I'm screaming. When I'm passionate, I'm loud. And it's 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 so sad. It's my toxic trait. Y'all hate it. My husband's always just like, stop screaming. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm not screaming. I'm talking. <laughs> but another all too relatable meme is I reply to people in my head and forget to text back. Y'all, that's my toxic trait. All my friends are saying yes, amen. That's right. Mm-hmm, girl, you do. But what is your toxic trait? Have you ever self-reflected in this way, asking yourself, what do I do that causes anxiety or stress in those that I love? I try to do this on occasion in order to work out my personal kinks. And I have more than a few. (laughs) I mean, just when I think I've overcome one ugly, nasty, toxic trait, another one will show her head in place of the last one. And it's just so sad. I hate it about myself, but I'm growing. I'm a growing individual and I do my research, y'all. I'm constantly trying to improve and mastering this understanding of yourself is a never ending battle of self-improvement. Self-improvement is impossible without self-awareness. Let the church say, amen. I'm going to be self-aware. I'm going to be aware of what is bothering me, what is making me nasty? What's making me act this way? Respond? Am I tired? Am I hungry? You know, and since this is a ladies podcast, I don't know if the men are always very self-aware of that um, thing called hunger. (laughs) Yeah. My husband, he's like, I'm just like, eat, eat the biscuit here. You're hungry. Just go in there. You're, You're hungry. You need a nap. And the same for my toddler. Our toddlers, they're not self-aware. Self-awareness, some to, sometimes referred to as self-knowledge or introspection, is about understanding your own needs, desires, limitations, habits, and everything else that makes you tick. Lack of self-awareness is a barrier to realizing your potential. And we all know that children are growing into their self-awareness. As a newborn, they are completely reliant on mom. They are they are not even aware of anyone else other than their own needs. So self-awareness is something that we grow into, we mature into, and hopefully we can mature into being self-aware through maybe uh, looking at this podcast. If you're bored with it, you, maybe I can just take some excerpts and put it on Facebook. But as parents, we are responsible. We are. We should be very self-aware. We are responsible for little ones who are looking to us to take care of them. So we cannot just walk through life selfishly and be only concerned with what makes us happy. And if my stomach ain't full, I'm going to be a grumpy little girl because, you know, we have others looking to us to be their safe place. We are guardians of their innocence, providers and teachers. And unfortunately, adults with unresolved emotional issues are often broken. They are not safe. And we will often see these broken individuals 
acting out in toxic ways. They subconsciously afflict their own children with their poisonous issues without even knowing it. These issues could be from um, an abusive husband, an abusive mom or dad. Toxic parents come in all forms from over-anxious helicopter or narcissistic parents to emotionally bankrupt or even abusive parents. So I invite you to self-reflect and determine your toxic trait. Not only is this podcast intended to help us to resolve our personal traits that may be toxic, but I hope that this discussion can help you heal from the acknowledgement of toxic traits in those that you love, as we will learn coping mechanisms for those in toxic relationships, coping mechanisms for those who are behaving in toxic ways, and we are just going to better ourselves and work past these issues. So diving right in. Personality is the pattern of thoughts, feelings, and behaviors unique to a person. People tend to think of personality as fixed. People say, you know, uh, this is my personality, can't change it, this is who I am. I am who I am. But according to psychologists, that is not how it works. Personality is a developmental phenomenon, and it's not just a static thing that you're stuck with and can't get over. And that is a quote from Brent Roberts, a psychologist at the University of Illinois. Uh, Researchers analyzed the results of 152 longitudinal studies on personality, which followed participants ranging in ages from childhood to the early 70s. Each of these studies measured trends in the big five personality traits. And my sister introduced me to the big five personality traits in a recent podcast that we had. And this cluster of traits, it is in, it includes extroversion, agreeableness, conscientiousness, openness to experience, and neuroticism. And if you're interested in better understanding that, I advise you to go take the big five personality traits a, a test, and it can really enlighten you on your own personality. It's very reliable. It's, it's used in a lot of psychologists. Uh, psychology studies and such. So I advise you to take that. But the researchers found that individuals' level of each personality trait are relative to other participants, tended to stay consistent within each decade of life. And that pattern of consistency begins around the age of three and perhaps even earlier. When psychologists studied children, they don't measure personality traits in the same way that they do for adults. Instead, they look at temperament. And temperament is the intensity of a person's reaction to the world. We come into the world with unique temperaments, and research suggests that our temperaments as children, for example, whether we're easygoing or prone to temper tantrums, eager or more reluctant to approach strangers, correspond to adult personality traits. For example, a shy three-year-old acts a lot different from a shy 20-year-old, but there is an underlying core personality. So this is what I gleaned from that, and it is telling me that while our personalities are capable of expansion and developing new ways of coping, our core response to life is established by the age of three. And this is why you're your role as a parent is very important. We are the guardian of our little ones. We are to guard their little spirits, their little temperaments and the way that they respond to the world. And we are creating tomorrow 
We are creating the future. We are creating a little personality. And that struck me so powerfully because yes, they have temperaments right now and they're just responding emotionally to how they feel in the moment, but their personality is developing and we are, we are the ones creating that. So as children of toxic parents, we begin to distinguish when our parents are behaving in a way that doesn't feel right. It hurts. It doesn't feel good. And they begin to respond according to what they're allowed to. And as a result, we, the our damaged little ones, can blame themselves or ourselves in a distorted view of their place in the world. We grow up with feelings of abandonment, being afraid, angry, ashamed, condemned, frustrated, guilty, impoverished, shut down, rejected, and unworthy. Those are such strong words that I would never want my child to feel. So a toxic parent is an umbrella term for parents who display some of or all of the following characteristics. And this is the part where we have to self-reflect and say, do I behave in this way? These characteristics are self-centered behaviors. For example, your parents may be emotionally unavailable, narcissistic, or perhaps uncaring when it comes to things that you need. It may feel like all situations return to the same question. What about me? Where do I fit in here? Physical and verbal abuse. Abuse may not always be hitting, yelling, threats, or something totally obvious either. You may encounter more subtle subtle abuse like name-calling, the shifting of blame, silent treating, treatment, or gaslighting. These are such sneaky little things that parents can do, friends can do, and Oh, I just, I feel sorry for anyone who is put in that situation because gaslighting, you can think that it is your fault or you're just completely left in the dark wondering what in the world, how did this, how did I get here? What just happened? I don't even know how I made this person angry. What did I do? Why are they mad? They gaslit you. It, it was beyond your control from the very beginning. They they had you wrapped up in a conversation that you didn't even know that you was having. And another Toxic trait is controlling behaviors. Toxic parents may invade your privacy or not allow you to make your own decisions, or maybe they're overly critical and controlling of your decisions, even as an adult. And I do want to advise that the Bible says to honor your father and mother. So if you have a controlling parent and you are still a teenager, um, you are still to honor them. And honor means love them and respect them, show kindness, talk kindly, and you are not always going to be in this situation. You will eventually have control of your life. And you may one day think, wow, my parents were not controlling at all. Because let me tell you, what seems like control can often be boundaries. And so I just had to throw that in there because we are dealing with maybe some teenage listeners. And so manipulative behaviors. Your parents may try to control you by using guilt or shame to play with your emotions. Toxic parents may even hold time, money, or other items as pawn in their manipulation game. I have seen in my lifetime um, toxic parents who would not let their kids 
go out because they did not clean the entire house. They did not uh, organize everything. They did not, uh, it just, they were not being the parent, in other words. And that is listed as a toxic trait. And it's very uncomfortable. It's a, it's a, the poor child is walking around on eggshells saying, oh, I haven't done all the chores. I haven't been Cinderella. I haven't cleaned the chimney. And you know, that's not your job. You, you had the child. You didn't, we're not creating, um, child labor here. We are teaching them how to grow, of course, but we have to love them through it and do our part as well. Um, another trait can be a lack of boundaries. Toxic parents tend to push and push and push to get their way. As you tire from their tactics, you may simply give in to ideas or situations out of exhaustion or frustration. And another trait is drama and attention seeking. So I won't go too far into that, but if you see that you are constantly having drama, constantly barging into your parents and falling on their bed, weeping and saying, my, my life is a mess. Look at me, poor me. You are um, showing toxic traits because you should be strong for your child and not make it all about you. You need a best friend to convey those emotions with. You need to talk to Jesus. Your children should not be the ones that you constantly weep to and expect them to strengthen you. That can be toxic behavior. So parenthood is a high calling written on every person's heart is a desire for our heavenly father's perfect love. Our parents are meant to be the closest model of God's love. Through a lifetime of living as an apostolic, I have begun to see that the Bible has an answer to every problem and a large amount of life's issues are spiritual warfare that should be battled in the spirit But in our laziness and lack of spiritual education, we may try to fight this in the flesh and it should be fought in the spirit. Warring in our flesh does not mean fighting with our loved ones, but warring in the flesh is feeding our emotions, listening to our emotions and giving ear to the thoughts, the negative thoughts that come into our subconscious mind. And that is in a book by Kim Haney that I've just been reading and she's talking about battling spiritual warfare. It absolutely cannot be a battle of the flesh. We have to war in the spirit. The apostles warned us about the following of the wisdom of this world and the danger of applying it to this spiritual message. And you can find that in Colossians 2 and 8. So I'm not going to preach the doom of psychology that says once a narcissist, always a narcissist. I believe that through prayer, fasting, and reading the word, we can change and we can become a better version of ourselves. We can be healthy, a healthy parent that bears the fruit of the spirit. The Bible says that we are to be born again because in this flesh, we can't do it. And we have to walk in the spirit. And when we are born again on a daily basis, renewing ourselves daily, praying through, speaking in tongues and applying the word, uh, applying the meat of the word to our lives, we will grow spiritual strength and and we will, we will be able to parent better. So we have to pray and fast and apply the word. 
And while my words may have no conviction in your life, the Bible says that the word of God spoken in faith in the name of Jesus has awesome power to overcome seemingly insurmountable insurmountable obstacles. And that is in Isaiah 55 verses 10 through 11. It says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That is the power of the word. So I'm not going to speak only my thoughts on how to be a healthy parent. I'm going to speak the word of God over us, giving you these scriptures, and you can write them down and apply them. Speak them daily to yourselves and better yourself. Destroy the strongholds that may be holding you captive emotionally. And so these verses that I'm going to give you, I strongly I strongly advise you to apply them. And for fathers, it says, loves, stays faithful, and is understanding to the mother of his children. And you can read these verses in Ephesians 5 and 25 and 1 Peter 3 and 7. Another thing that a father can do is makes time to counsel and guide his children. And that is Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7. In Proverbs 13, 24, it says, lovingly disciplines his children. Luke 15 and 20 says, welcomes his children after they admit to making a mistake. Deuteronomy 1, 30 through 31 says, helps to carry his children during the difficult times. Psalms 103 and 13 says, has compassion for his children. And verse Job, is, Job chapter 1, verses 4 through 5 says, prays for and declares blessings over his children. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7 says, teaches his children God's word. Deuteronomy 4 and 9 says, passes on wisdom to his children. And 1 Timothy 3 and 4 says, manages his own household well. And I'm not only going to speak to the father, I'm going to skip over a few verses because I wrote down several. But in the mother's responsibility is to love submits to her husband and helps and is faithful to the father of her children. And we can read those verses in 1 Peter 3 and 1, Genesis 2 and 18, Exodus 20 and 14, and Titus 2 and 4. Those are very important verses. And another verse says, tenderly cares for her children in 1 Thessalonians 2 and 7, is a comfort to her children, Isaiah 66 and 13. Proverbs 31, 26 through 27 says, provides wisdom and, and loving instruction to her children and has compassion for and nurtures her children, Isaiah 49 and 15. And finally, disciplines her children, Proverbs 29 and 15. That is scriptural reference for how we can be a healthy parent not a toxic parent. No amount of professional training will make any father or mother perfect. Few are prepared for the demands of dealing with infants, children, in-law schools, finances, schedules, all of it at once. And when we fail to submit all of our ways to God, we will invariably sin against him. A person's parenting methods may seem right to him or her, but it is God's will that matters. It is his word that must be applied. And it doesn't matter how right you think you are. If it doesn't line up with his word, then we are failing. We are failing God. We are failing our kids. And we have to apply the word to our lives. 
Proverbs 16, two through three says, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Have you ever dealt with a toxic person? I have. And the things that I learned from this toxic relationship help me daily because it is all about that person and how they feel. Toxic people are not aware of their emotions or how they are responding. They are aware of themselves. They are responding with anger, embarrassment, maybe exhaustion, and completely in their emotions, much much like a toddler. So a mature and healthy adult should respond in correction with self-awareness, not responding to how they feel. And you should ask yourself, do I really need to respond in anger? Am I responding in love? A lot of times an anger response is from a person that has already lost the battle. A confident and in-charge person wins. And a Chinese proverb says, a wise man makes his own decisions. An ignorant man follows the public opinion. My number one rule that I am working on is not correcting out of embarrassment. Again, I don't want to correct out of my emotions. I don't want to correct out of my embarrassment and my shame of my child because children will be children. Children will do childish things. They will embarrass us, but we cannot correct in those moments where it's just about us. So if it is bad, you should, of course, correct them, but Don't correct them to the point that it's making you look better because it's not about you. It's about making sure that that little one understands and has gleaned a valuable lesson from the mistake that they just made. I have to be honest. The other day, I corrected my child for not hugging someone and he said, no, I don't want to hug. And I was like, oh, well, you better go hug them anyways because that's being mean. And he had set his boundary and I pushed it and I made him hug this individual, whereas I should have respected his boundaries. I should have not worried about my people-pleasing self and corrected him out of what made me look better, out of what made me feel comfortable because it's not my child's place to make everyone happy. That may be something I struggle with, but I don't have to put that on my child. It is not your child's place to people-please. And another one that I've been working on is correcting to embarrass oh my goodness, this is so horrible and I hate seeing it on Facebook. The Facebook trend of embarrassing a child to correct them and making it a public display of, oh, look at what I did to my child. I put two of them in a t-shirt and made them duke it out until they got along better. The world doesn't need to see you correct your child to know that you're a good parent. In fact, whenever I see that, I think what a lousy parent. That's so humiliating. Um, Correction, when done in love, will be tender and concerned and maybe even tearful on your part because you are concerned for their well-being and you've prayed about it many nights. And if you find yourself praying about it, that you pro- you truly love that individual. When you truly love someone, you're going to pray for them and seek the best for their lives, not seek to embarrass them. And The AAP recommends positive discipline strategies that effectively teach children to manage their behavior and keep them from harm while promoting healthy development. And these include show and tell, teach children from right from wrong with calm words and actions, model behaviors you would like to see in your children. My goodness, I cannot stand (laughs) to see 
someone say, oh, child, you are not doing that, while they go sit over there and smoke their cigarette and correct them for their, you know, just talk bad eating habits or something childish like, oh, you didn't clean your plate? Well, I'm just going to drink my beer to that. You know, it's just live the life that you want your child to live. Live the example that you want them to behave in. And I had a lady yesterday tell me at the park, she was like, oh my goodness, I will not let my children watch um, any of the shows that I watch. Whenever I want to watch my show, I go in my room and I shut the door. And when they try coming in there, I just tell them, oh, you better get out. This is my time. Honey, they see what you're doing. They see what you're watching and you're just making it all the more curious. You're sparking curiosity in them. So live the life that you want your child to live. Don't set stand, don't lower the bar for yourself and expect them to jump over it. You have to live what you want them to live. It's show and tell. And another one is set limits. Have clear and consistent rules your children can follow. Be sure to explain these rules in age appropriate terms. Another correction method is give consequences. Calmly and firmly explain the consequences if they don't behave. For example, tell her that if she does not pick up her toys, you will put them away for the rest of the day. Be prepared to follow through right away. Don't give in by giving them back after a few minutes. But remember, never take away something your child truly needs, such as a meal. Another discipline is hear them out. Listening is so important. Let your child finish the story before helping solve the problem. Watch for times when misbehavior has a pattern. Like if your child is feeling jealous, talk with your child about this rather than just giving consequences. Give them your attention. The most powerful tool for effective discipline is attention to reinforce good behaviors and discourage others. Remember, all children want their parents' attention. Catch them being good. Children need to know when they do something bad and when they do something good. Notice good behavior and point it out, praising successes more than failures. Know when not to respond. As long as your child isn't doing something dangerous and getting pl- and gets plenty of attention for good behavior, ignoring bad behavior can be an effective way of stopping it. Ignoring bad behavior can also teach children natural consequences of their actions. For example, if your child keeps dropping her cookies on purpose, she will soon have no more cookies left to eat. If she throws and breaks her toy, she will not be able to play with it. It will not be long before she learns to drop her cookies and to play carefully with her toys. Be prepared for trouble. Plan ahead for situations when your child might have troubled behavior, trouble behavior. Prepare them for upcoming activities and how you want them to behave. My mom has always said when we go to Walmart and she hears a baby screaming, that is probably a sleepy baby, not a bad baby, but a sleepy baby. And she is always warning, Lauren, don't you take your kids to Walmart when they're sleepy because it's likely that they're going to start acting out. So redirect bad behavior because sometimes children misbehave because they are bored and don't know any better. Find something else for your child to do. And those are just a few. My final piece of advice is Galatians 5, 22 through 23. And I reference this verse all the time. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the best 
well, I mean, aside from salvation, this is some of the best advice you can receive from the Bible. This is everything you need for life. And this is the best advice for parenting. If you find that you're lacking in love and peace and patience and kindness, it may be time to hit the altar. It may be time to pray. And it may be time to to uh, self-evaluate and reconsider because we don't want to hinder our kids and damage them and cause a, a slew of problems that could be avoided if we can control our toxic behavior. A Chinese proverb says, if you are patient in one moment of anger, you will escape a hundred days of sorrow. I feel like it's so good that that needs to be repeated. If you are patient in one moment of anger, you will escape a hundred days of sorrow. Another Chinese proverb says, if you must play, decide upon three things at the start, the rules of the game, the stakes, and the quitting time. And that is so powerful because we have established the rules of the game and the stakes are high. And we also need to know when it's quitting time and that time is now. So I appreciate each of you and I hope that you have been blessed and encouraged through this podcast. It is a little bit outside of my comfort zone as I'm not a psychologist and I'm not very well studied in these in, in toxic trades and psychology, but I have applied the word and I believe that the word speaks volumes over any psychology book and we can apply the word of God to our lives if you learn nothing else from this podcast. I pray that you have a blessed day. Thank you for joining me and I pray that you can join me again next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye.